what is going on everyone and welcome back to another edition of the technical talk podcast in today's episode we're going to recap the top five battle in the east as we saw the cavaliers visit the 76ers and we'll also recap that pelicans and lakers game in la all that is coming after the intro i apologize in advance i also got way too deep into my completely unintentional western conference playing team look ahead so this is going to be a little bit of an extended episode but all that is coming your way after the intro thank you once again for listening to technical talk and welcome back you're out of your mind there is no way that lebron will ever be jordan nobody will ever be jordan okay okay lebron's a better rebounder and passer will you let me finish can you can you let me finish Call me when LeBron has six championships. Is that your only argument? It's the only argument I need, Sean! All right, so jumping right into that 76ers and Cavaliers game that we saw at the Wells Fargo Center last night at 7.30 Eastern Time, we'll get you right into the Cleveland Cavaliers season catch-up. They came in fourth in the Eastern Conference, uh, holding a 38-22 record overall. They had a bit of a shoddy uh, away record, uh, 13 and 16, but they do have the third most wins uh, versus the Eastern Conference in the NBA, as they held a 22 and 10 record. Getting into my pregame thoughts and analysis, you know, uh, defense against Joel Embiid was the first thing that came to my mind. When you're a team that comes in as highly seated in the Eastern Conference, like the Cavaliers, and you boast the fifth best winning percentage in the NBA, you have to be doing something right. And for the Cavs, it's been defense. As they came into Wednesday night's game, number one in defensive rating in the NBA at 109, while also ranking fifth in opponent field goal percentage, first in opponent field goals made, eighth in opponent turnovers per game, fifth in opponent free throws attempted per game, and third in opponent points in the paint at only uh, 46 points in the paint a game. Why did I just go through what seemed like every defensive statistic and category uh, for the Cavaliers? Because the 76ers pose a completely different threat and a completely different test every night with Joel Embiid and just his overall skill and ability that just gets showcased night in and night out. You know, not only does Joel Embiid come in ranked second in the NBA in overall points per game at 33.2, you know, but he also ranks second in the NBA in free throws attempted per game at 11.6. If you couple that with the 85.7 free throw percentage that he has and a 53.9 field goal percentage, that amplifies the need to shut him down as best you can. You know, luckily, I felt like the Cavaliers were built to do that uh, better than most teams. You know, they have two big men. And Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, who can pose pretty significant shooting challenges uh, to what Embiid um, looks to do on a night-to-night basis. Um, and just really, they did a good job last game. Uh, if we took a uh, take a look back at the game on November 30th, uh, they held Embiid to 19 points on the night. And they held the 76ers to just 85 points on the night, uh, largely in part because... 76ers only shot 6-26 from deep. That's only 23%. Uh, James Harden didn't play that game in his absence. Uh, did play a factor. 
uh, from scoring and like overall relief uh, perspective for Joel Embiid. Uh, so I felt it would be interesting to see how having him back would change um, really just the overall defensive approach of not only the Cavaliers, but of Doc Rivers. Getting you to the Philadelphia 76ers season catch-up, they came in third in the Eastern Conference at 37 and 19 overall. They held a really good uh, home record at 22 and 8, and they also had the sixth best record versus the Eastern Conference in the NBA at 21 and 13. My pregame thoughts and analysis for them was really defending Donovan Mitchell. Uh, coming and averaging the 11th most points per game in the NBA against the Eastern Conference at 27.2. Came Donovan Mitchell, uh, who in the game Monday night against the Spurs dropped 41 points in a 117-109 win against San Antonio. Uh, with a usage percentage rank of 14 in the NBA at 30.4%, a uh, good place to start when scheming up for a game plan. For the Cavs is uh, Donovan Mitchell. An area of note when defending him uh, is when he is in the ball handler uh, role in a pick and roll situation, where he boasts a 47% score frequency to pair with a nearly 50% field goal percentage. You know, for the Sixers defensively in this play type, they came into the game yesterday ranking 11th in the NBA in score frequency two pick-and-roll ball handlers uh, at just 53.1%, and they also ranked 12th in the NBA in shooting foul frequency to pick-and-roll ball handlers at 13.1 per game. You know, playing solid and consistent defense and handling uh, the containment of a player like Donovan Mitchell, who can be a flamethrower uh, literally at any moment in time during a game, uh, is very important, and it was very important. As for the game summary, for the first 38-ish minutes of basketball, the Sixers played precisely as they should uh, if we're to absolutely and unequivocally view them as one of the top two teams, if not top team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, some first-half notable stats. You know, they held Cleveland to 4 of 17 from beyond the arc. That's 23.5% while also holding Cleveland to just 35.9% overall from the floor, uh, which amounted to just 38 points for the Cavs at halftime. Uh, but while like the defense shined for them early, the offense was also spectacular. Uh, James Harden asserted himself really from the get-go in this game. In the first quarter, he had eight points and eight assists. Uh, the 76ers shot seven of eight from three to start the game. They ended the first half shooting eight of 15. Uh, as well as 91% from the free throw line. They won 11-12. Five of those free throw makes came from Joel Embiid, who ended the half with 19 points and ended the game ultimately with 29 points. You know, for the Cavs, there was no production early outside of Darius Garland. Um, in the first half, he was the only Cavalier in double digits with 13 points. And, you know, he didn't really have any help, uh, particularly in the form of Donovan Mitchell early. Uh, Donovan Mitchell only had eight points, I believe, at halftime. Uh, and when you are playing a team that can jump out to leads and can capitalize on being hot, 
like Philadelphia, you know, you, you run into some trouble. Um, the only issue that I had with Philadelphia, when they jump out to leads like this, uh, they jumped out to a 26-point lead, I believe. Um, they have to find a way to keep their foot on the pedal. In the second half, uh, they got complacent, and they opened the door for the Cavs to sneak back in, and luckily, you know, like, they survived. Uh, Donovan Mitchell came on like a bat out of hell for the Cavs after being dormant in the first half. Uh, he went 3 of 11. Uh, he went for nine points in an efficient third quarter, and then he erupted for a 16-point game-leading fourth quarter, and he ended the game with 33 points. Also for the Cavs, you know, shooting among their forwards is going to be an issue, uh, and it was an issue last night. If we look at Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley went 9-19. Uh, that's 47% from the floor. That's good, but he went 0-4 from the three uh, ended with 23 points. Isaac Okoro went 2 of 6 from the field. It's 33%, uh, 1 of 4 from 3, 5 points. Um, the reason that I'm bringing up the shooting, despite you know Mobley having a good game, is the three point shooting among the bigs on the Cavs. They don't have any. Um, and not, not having that can really hurt you come playoff time because. In driving kick scenarios, you have to be able to hit shots. Um, yes, they were missing uh, Chetty Osman last night. Um, and yes, you know, Mitchell and Darius Garland can have explosive nights like today. But when their defense isn't as sharp as it should be, or you face a team as hot as the 76ers were last night, there's a lot more to be desired from a shooting perspective. Uh, you know, Threes and big men have become, you know, the new age of basketball. And having stretch big men that can play is paramount that you hit those threes heading into the playoffs. And after the All-Star break, whether that can come naturally for J.B. Bickerstaff and this Cavaliers team or, you know, the addition of somebody like a Will Barden who is most likely going to be on the buyout market. And, you know, it has to come from somewhere. Uh they're also reaching a buyout with Kevin Love, potentially, that was reported today. And, you know, Kevin Love is a good stretch um, for historically in his career. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Cavaliers address that area. But let's move on to the Sixers. You know, this game should have seen Joel Embiid and James Harden not touch the basketball court again after the third quarter. And the fact that they let Cleveland not only hang around but fight back the way that they did should be a little bit concerning um, because what happens when you run into a team like Boston or Milwaukee where you have the pressure of Giannis or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and a way better bench than the Cavaliers brought in last night for 48 consistent minutes fighting, clawing, scratching their way the way that we've seen them do in the past. Um, you know, and... That's all I'm going to really say about Philadelphia. They they played really good offensively, and I think that covered up for some of their uh, laziness defensively down the stretch. But, you know, it's a signature win for them heading to the break in Salt Lake City. Uh, but, you know, it could have been even more of a signature win to the rest of the East. All right, let's get right into the Pelicans and Lakers game. We had to wrap up the last full day of NBA basketball before All-Star Weekend. Let's get you right into the Lakers season catch-up. They came in to last night 
ranked 13th in the West with a 26 and 32 overall record. Uh, they had just below 500 uh, home record at 13 and 14, and they were 13 and 20 against the West. For my pregame thoughts and analysis for the Lakers, uh, you know this is their first. This was our first look at them as a complete unit since all of their deadline deals and LeBron breaking the scoring record. Um, as you know, LeBron sat the last three games. And the Lakers were coming off of a 12-point loss in Portland on Monday, uh, which saw, you know, solid performances uh, from the new arrivals in their second game. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had 16 points. Malik Beasley had 22 points. Uh, they're 1-1 one one with the new players. Uh, granted, that was all without LeBron. Uh, and it was their much-anticipated return. To, it was his much-anticipated, excuse me, return to the lineup after missing the last three games. Uh Going in the All-Star break on the right note and with chemistry as a whole for the Lakers is important. You know, with your new additions in L.A., not having more games or time on court with LeBron, you know, you lose a little bit of time. And that two games that he missed with them will cost them chemistry-wise. And they are important and should be considered important. So my main note for the Lakers was just to get comfortable in a rotation that suited you and to also try to get on the winning uh, right foot heading into a much-needed uh, all-star break. Um, you know, if things got close last night, just a note to find a way to win for them. The Lakers and the Pelicans this season has been just a myriad of results in their two meetings prior to last night. Uh, the first meeting resulted in a narrow Los Angeles win, 120-117 to 117 in overtime. And what was the second one? The second one was uh, 11 days ago. Yeah, in New Orleans. Uh, that was the game that saw the Lakers collapse a lead uh, despite LeBron having like 36 points. Uh, the Lakers also had a 15-16 record in clutch games. Uh, that is where the game, uh, the time remaining on the clock is less than four minutes and the score is five or fewer. Um, and really, just for the Lakers, you know, their containment of C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. In the last two games, man, those two guys really hurt the Lakers. Uh, last time they met, they B.I. had 35 points and C.J. had 23. So finding a way to limit or handicap their potential as a duo or even single one of them out uh, could really ease your defensive matchups and overall defense if you're Darwin, Ham, and Lakers. Getting into the Pelicans' season catch-up, uh, they were seventh in the West uh, with a 30 and 28 record overall. They had a 10 and 18 road record, and they were 19 and 14 against the Western Conference. Uh, my pregame thoughts analysis for them: No Zion Williamson again. You know, to this point of the season, we've only seen Zion in 29 games, and if you remember correctly, in the off-season, the Pelicans gave him a five-year max extension worth about $193 million, but it could turn into $231 million if he makes an All-NBA team this season or wins a major award. Uh, but I'll, I'll jump into that a little later, believe me. Uh, the game summary. You know, the Lakers came out and finally showed a real glimpse into what they could look like as a complete team. Uh, they played with energy. You know, the new additions fit right in with LeBron as far as I'm concerned in the lineup, and it shows with the numbers like the assists. 
they average about 25 assists a night, uh, which is middle of the pack in the NBA. But tonight, you know, they had 32, which sharing the basketball has been a little bit of an issue. Last game, they only had 24 um, in that game against Portland, and then 19 before that in that one against the Warriors. Uh, having a complete team where you can play to each other's strengths and weaknesses and make up for them is a huge thing uh, for a playoff contender like the Lakers would like to believe uh, that they are. Um, And, you know, getting 28 points and 10 rebounds on a minutes restricted, I'm going to air quote that minutes restricted, uh, Anthony Davis is always the thing that you love to see in a box score uh, at the end of the game. Um, the Lakers, you know, looking just like forward just a little bit, they're in a rock and a hard place in between a rock and a hard place. Overall, they have 23 games remaining, uh, after last night. And, you know, the Western conference is starting to space out a little bit. Um, and you can't afford to lose games if you're Los Angeles, post all-star break this team as a playing team is dangerous and and i'll openly admit that but do i necessarily want to be in that position with the warriors mavericks and pelicans in those seven to nine spots right now especially with anthony davis not being an exact model of health and availability and you know newsflash you need ad healthy and ready uh so you know, if the Lakers can go on a run post All Star break and not limp to the finish line, that gives them a seating advantage, and hopefully they don't have to mess around in that play in tournament. Because if one of these guys get hurt, misses, you know, games, you miss the playoffs, and we're looking forward to next season. I'm one of the people that says I don't care about next season when it comes to them, but I'm going to leave that to a completely different episode and for a different day. Let's look at their remaining schedule. Um, they have the 24th most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA. Uh, it's really highlighted by two games against Dallas, Memphis, and Minnesota, and also a new look Phoenix squad. Oh, man, those, those two games are going to be fireworks, and you best believe I hope they have an impact on the standings. How great would it be to see Kevin Durant and LeBron James go at it when LeBron needs some wins to boost the Lakers into the plan? And above that, uh possibly above uh, the play-in. You know, they also have one game with the Clippers, uh, which is always interesting to see uh, how those two teams match up and if Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George even play because of the load management that they constantly find themselves on. My bad, injury management now. Uh, and then they also have another meeting with the Knicks. Uh, jumping into the Pelicans, look ahead. You know, New Orleans is entrenched in the play-in race seeding war. Uh, they're a half a game behind the Mavs for the seventh spot. They're half a game ahead of the Warriors for the eighth spot and a game ahead of the Thunder who are in the 10th spot. Post all-star break, this team has to have Zion Williamson available. And, you know, we got news on Valentine's Day that he would be out at least two more weeks post all-star break, uh, having re-aggravated that hamstring. Uh, with a player like Zion and what he does for New Orleans, night in and night out from an offensive standpoint, a spacing standpoint, a defensive standpoint. It's vital that he's healthy, and for the majority of his tenure, not only with the Pelicans, but in the NBA, it's been disappointing. And, you know, when you when you have a player sitting on a possible $231 million payday, uh, 
for less than half a season of games, you know, that has to hurt if you're in the Pelicans front office and you're signing the checks. But, you know, if they can get Zion healthy, they undoubtedly, you know, have the potential to make noise in the West. Uh, but, you know, that's a gigantic 240-pound if. Um, if we look at the Pelicans' remaining schedule according to Tankathon, uh, the Pelicans have the 28th uh, hardest schedule in the NBA with 23 games remaining. Uh, the hardest games being uh, a game against Dallas, a game against Memphis, and a game against Denver. Also, they have two games against the Knicks, the Kings, and the Clippers. So, you know, if they can get Zion back, you know, they can maybe go on a little bit of a run. Uh, you know, beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and hey, you know, they can move up the standings as well. Uh, I'm just going to run around. Uh, see, now the talk of the remaining schedule has me wanting to run around the rest of the playing team, so why not do that? Uh, if we look at the 10th seed currently, uh, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have the 26th toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. Uh, they have one game against Memphis, uh, one game against New Orleans, one game against Brooklyn. They also have two games against the Clippers and Sacramento, and they still have to play the Suns four times. Uh, they've been a surprise team with Shea Gilgis Alexander and his scoring uh, leading the way. And the Thunder are just such a fun, young, league pass team to watch. And it'll be interesting to see if they can hang in the playing race uh, and give themselves a shot to make it. You know, go Mark Dagonal, Go Sam Presti. Look at you guys turning that franchise around quicker than expected. Uh, taking a look at the ninth-seeded Warriors, surprising season. Still hearing the Warriors in the ninth seed doesn't sit right with me. But, you know, they have the 16th toughest remaining schedule. Um, you'll see a difference in the remaining schedule between the Warriors and everybody else in this uh, playing race. But, you know, they have two games against the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, their newfound quote-unquote rivals in the West. Uh, oh, my bad, Joss says he's good in the West. Um, but, you know, they have one game remaining against the Bucks, one game remaining against the Sixers, Suns, Kings, and Nuggets. A big thing moving forward for them is going to be Stephen Curry's health. Uh, you know, it got reported a couple days ago that Steph won't be available immediately following the All-Star break for the Warriors. You know, their first three games out of the All-Star break is at the Lakers, um, at home against the Rockets and the Timberwolves, uh, before also having Dame, Kawhi, PG, and then the Pelicans in town. Uh, and number two is, can they do something about this away record? You know, home has been where the heart is for the Warriors this season, and they feature an awful home road split. You know, they're 22-7 and seven at home, which is fantastic, but they're 7-22 and 22 on the road. You know, for the Warriors, they're always dangerous when they're together and they're healthy, and, you know, if they can get it right, we've seen them go on a five-game win streak this season. Uh, I believe the dates were Christmas to January 2nd. They won five games in that time period. So, you know, you always have to keep an eye out for them. Um, AC's the Pelicans, we just covered them. Uh, and looking at the seven-seeded Mavs, you know, they have the least difficult remaining schedule in the NBA, and they have 22 games remaining. Um, you know, their schedule the rest of the way features two games against Joel Embiid, two games against John Moran and the Grizzlies, uh, three times, excuse me, and one game against the Kings, Suns, Heat, and Pelicans, uh, a game which could, for head-to-head -head purposes, in the West to play uh, an important role. Obviously, I have been, uh, you know, a little bit of a spearhead when it comes to the defense 
of the Dallas Mavericks and how I feel they lack a little bit. But, you know, when you have the easiest schedule in the NBA, they're going to get wins with Kyrie and Luka, and we're going to see them probably and most likely move out of that seventh place and be a six seed or even a five seed if one of those um, teams above them does go on a skid, which we've seen almost every team outside of the top two, uh, excuse me, top outside of Denver really, uh, go on massive skids um, but you know that's gonna be it for uh, my <laughs> Western Conference plan you know that was a 10-minute summary and I did not intend for that to happen but moving forward to the all-star competition episodes um, they'll start tomorrow we'll preview the Rising Stars game and Celebrity game uh, happening at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. respectively tomorrow uh, Eastern Standard Time as well as the Clippers and Suns game tonight that closes out the first half of the NBA season. Statistically, you know, it's actually two-thirds of the NBA season being done because most teams only have like 22 to 25 games left. But hey, I don't do the math. I don't make the schedule. Uh, Saturday morning, we'll come to you with any notable media segments. Uh, it's All-Star Media Morning, um, as well as All-Star Saturday Night, where we get the highlights of the... Skills Challenge, the Starry Three Point Contest, and the AT&T Slam Dunk Contest for you. Uh, and finally, Sunday, we'll preview the NBA All-Star Game and the participants, uh, the G League Next Up Game, and we'll also recap Sunday night's All-Star Draft that is happening an hour before the actual All-Star Game this year. Uh, all of the Saturday night participants will be on tomorrow's episode, and man, tomorrow's episode is a good one. I hope you also enjoy it. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Enjoy All-Star Weekend, and be sure to check out the podcast all All-Star Weekend long as we'll be covering uh, the weekend from all angles. Thanks again for listening to another episode. Enjoy the All-Star break. Enjoy not having to hear me complain about the Mavericks defense for a couple days. Uh, and, you know, enjoy All-Star Weekend.